Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, March 10th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 31. For context, we will reread the first paragraph, beginning with Despite All We Can Say, and then pick up where we left off on Friday by reading and focusing our sharing on the following paragraph, which begins with, Here are some of the methods we have tried. Today's readers are as follows. Reading the OA 12 Steps is Jason P. Reading the OA 12 Traditions is Karen U. And reading the text are Esther C., Ken, and Jill T., the share ID for Sunday, March 9th, is 6021. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jason P. to read the OA 12 Steps. Jason, can you unmute your phone? Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes, thank you. Okay, great. Uh, This is Jason. I'm a compulsive overeater from Vermont. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step 1. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10. 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all all of our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Jason. I will now ask Karen Yu to read the OA-12 Traditions. Good morning. I'm a compulsive overeater, and my name is Karen Yu. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group but has one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Karen. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. 
In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 31, the first paragraph beginning with, Despite All We Can Say. I will ask Esther C. to read two paragraphs and that we focus our comments primarily on the second paragraph that begins with, Here are some of the methods we have tried. Esther, please go right ahead. Good morning. My name is Esther C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in in Canada. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone who is showing inability to control his drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hat's off to him. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. Here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. We could increase the list ad infinitum. So heaven knows I also tried to prove that I was a normal eater. Here are some of the the methods that I tried. I tried fasting. I tried dieting. I tried eating products, you know, that would have a laxative effect to sort of neutralize all the food I'd consume that day. I tried commercial diets. I've been to nutritionists. I've attempted uh, high-protein diets, low-carb diets. I tried eating only organic I tried going to the gym. I tried a uh, doctor-supervised diet, you know, where he took me off sugar and flour. Um, I tried um, all kinds of methods that would control, you know, what I put into my mouth. But when that didn't work, I said, you know, maybe something's wrong with my mind. So I tried. That's when I started my decade of therapy. I had general therapy and hypnotherapy and psychotherapy, uh, EMDR, NLP, anything you could imagine I tried. I tried reading self-help books. I tried finding the solution in religion. I tried hating myself, so that would get me to stop eating, and that didn't work. I I tried loving myself in in the hopes that that would get me to stop stop eating, and that didn't work. I bought myself new clothes to encourage me to lose weight, and that didn't help. And then I withheld buying myself things to punish myself for eating too much, and that didn't help either. None of it worked, not for me. These methods and professionals that I that I um, visited have their place and they work for some people, but not for a real compulsive overeater like me. If it if it leaves me breathless just recalling all the methods I tried, let me tell you that living this life for nearly 40 years was absolute agony. When it comes to food, I'm not normal. I'm not sane. I can't control my food no matter how great the wish, no matter how much I try, and no matter how much I suffer. It doesn't matter that I watched every single dream of mine crumble in my hands. I was still not able to stop eating. So this paragraph is asking me, am I willing to admit that I'm a true compulsive overeater now? 
Yes, absolutely. And do I need to eat some more to prove it? No, because I'm licked and I'm done. I'm a true compulsive overeater. God help me. And so when I read this paragraph, and now perhaps when you're reading this paragraph, ask yourself that question. What have you done? And are you done? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Who would like to share um, this second paragraph that Esther read? Miriam. I heard Miriam, I believe, and Kim. Miriam, go right ahead. Hi, it's Miriam, compulsive eater from Toronto. And I wanted to share, you know, about trying different ways. So just some things that came to my head this morning were about, you know, trying to exercise more because I did know, you know, numerically that muscle burns more calorie than fat. So the more muscle I have, the more I could eat. So I tried that so that I could eat more without gaining weight. Um, I also would always, you know, the the just one the just one phenomenon like my kids were selling these little boxes of chocolate covered or, you know, all different types of chocolates and I would be just one, end up eating all the boxes and having to pay them for it. And um those were just some of the memories that came back. But even though th- that was years ago, those um various memories I still kept trying more and more different ways. Like for years, I just kept trying and trying and trying. And I think I finally conceded that I do have this problem and I don't have to try anymore. And um, fortunately, you know, even though I do have to take step one that my life has become unmanageable, I could, you know, go by the fact that in the beginning, everyone who um, did this program had hit a real bottom. But afterwards, people picked up the program in their younger years before they had to hit a really miserable bottom, and that's what I hope to be able to do. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Miriam. Kim? Thanks, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, and I I haven't had a chance to listen to yesterday's special recording, um, but that's I love the topic. You know, we're in a 12-step program. Why aren't we using the 12 steps? So I want to talk about some of the methods I tried in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. You know, trying to work the Overeaters Anonymous program without working the 12 steps. So what were some of those methods I tried in Overeaters Anonymous? You know, I tried the 90 and 90, 90 meetings in 90 days. And usually on the 91st day when I stopped going to a meeting, I'd pick up. You know, I tried switching sponsors. It was my sponsor's fault that I picked up. I tried switching meetings. Oh, this meeting isn't keeping me up, so I'm going to go to another meeting. Oh, you know what? It's the food plan. I'm going to switch my food plan, and that's going to help me stay abstinent. That's serenity. That was my favorite. There was a point in a way where it was like, you know what? We're just going to stay fat and eat what we want, and we're going to go to these meetings, and we're going to learn to love ourselves as fat people. You know, I'm going to do the steps like a twister game. One day I'm going to put my right hand on red, and the other hand, time I'm going to put my left hand on blue, and whatever I feel like doing. And maybe I'm going to binge on tools. I'll binge on the tools. If, if someone tells me to make three phone calls a day, I'm going to make 35 phone calls a day. You know, I'm going to share at meetings. I was told to share. I need to share to recover. And the fact is, if sharing my problems, if sharing the misery of being a compulsive overeater was a solution to my problem, but I would have recovered years before I came in LA because I used to go to all you can eat buffets with my binge buddies and all we would do is complain about being a compulsive overeater. I tried the LA waltz. 
I'm going to do steps one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, all the time. Never get past step three. I'm just going to not eat and go to meetings. That's it. Not eat and go to meetings. That is the solution. Another popular one with service is swimming. If I make enough coffee, if I sign up for enough committees, maybe that will keep me abstinent. I'm going to do one step a year. That's it. I'm going to spend this whole year on step one. I'll take the next whole year on step two. I'm going to take two years to do my fourth step. Of course, I'm not staying abstinent during this time. I'm just picking up, but I'm going to stay in my fourth step for, that, for two years. And the other big thing I did is I would go into the, in Barnes & Noble and all the different bookstores, and I would look for non-conference-approved 12-step programs, especially ones that had the word gentle in it. I needed a gentle path to the 12 steps. Well, let me tell you, all these methods I just described gave me temporary respites. It gave me periods of abstinence, and then I would pick up. Periods of abstinence, and I would pick up. And that's why I giggled when I heard the topic for yesterday. We're in a 12-step program. Why don't we do the 12 steps? Who would have thought? I joined a 12-step program, and the solution is working the 12 steps so that I can get a spiritual solution sufficient to bring about recovery. I can have a relationship with a higher power that can remove my obsession to eat. Because let me tell you, the miracle of Overeaters Anonymous is not doing these methods I just explained so I could have enough power to beat the beast one more day and go, go to bed exhausted saying one more day of abstinence. My experience with Overeaters Anonymous working the 12 steps through the big book is the obsession has been removed. I no longer want my binge food. I am light. I am joyous, and I wake up in the morning asking God, please let me be helpful to you and my fellows. Let me be useful today like I was yesterday, because in my being useful, I find joy. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? I think this is Larry. Oh, go ahead, Larry. Larry, you're I'm gonna... sorry. To, I'm sorry to trample all over you. <laughs> My apologies. This is Larry, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, yeah, we we all have a history. We all we all tried a lot of methods. I know I did. Um, you know, I mean, I I, I tried I tried everything. You know, I tried uh, every commercial diet plan. Um, I tried, um, you know, exercising to the extreme. You know, I, I tried um, surgery. I tried trips, self-help books, anything I could get my hands on to just stop the insanity. I think there's a book entitled that too, but I, I probably read that one. I read them all, <laughs> anything I get my hands on. Um, and they, uh, you know, they, they all worked. Every one of them worked, uh, for a time, you know, and I'm reminded, you know, the twofold nature of my disease. I have an allergy of the body and I have an obsession of the mind. And, um, you know, it's the obsession of the mind that's the greater aspect of my disease. And so, you know, I could stop. But I will always pick up. If you're if you're an alcoholic, if you have an alcoholic mind like mine, 
if your disease is anything like mine, you can't stay stopped. That was my problem. You know, I remember um, my first marriage. That'll tell you a little bit about the hole in my soul. Uh, my first marriage, um, I remember that was years and years ago. Boy, I had a metabolism that could really burn calories. And I remember thinking, okay, you know, my weight is up. You know, of course, I was eating the way uh, any true compulsive overeater uh, ate. And I remember, you know, thinking, okay, I've got two months. I'm going to run, get up and run every morning. And um, I'm going to try to moderate my eating a little bit. Well, the moderating the eating, that didn't work. But I ran and I ran. Well, I was in my 20s. You know, and and I remember on my on my wedding day, I got down to 180 pounds. That was my goal. It worked. It worked. All the while eating, and you know, on my honeymoon, I I put on about 20 pounds. You know, for in a in a maybe a week and a half. Um, I can't stay stopped. You know, um, the, the cravings. You know, the obsession of the mind. It was too strong for me. See, the problem is is that I had a hole in my soul, <clears throat> and I couldn't fill it with externals, no, nothing external. And, you know, like it was said already that, you know, we do come into this program. I know I did, and I spent years in this program trying all the different things, all the different things that Kim just spoke about, and those things didn't work either. And I thought, well, here's just another thing that won't work for me. And then um, I was beaten into a state of reasonableness. The disease beat me down enough where I became reasonable enough to work the steps as laid out in the big book. And by working the steps in the big book, that was the one methodology, the one methodology that would work for me because I had a spiritual awakening. And the spiritual awakening, it was crazy because it defies science. defies science. That's probably, for me, you might be different if you haven't worked it. Um, that's probably why I didn't work it. I didn't work it because I really didn't think deep down that I was a true compulsive overeater. Or even if I knew I was, I didn't think this would work. I didn't think, you know, the problem, lack of power, the solution, step two, power. You know, I, I had a problem with that coming to believe that a power grade myself that is going to remove this? It's going to do this for me? Based on what? What evidence did I have in my, in my past that this would work? So invariably I would find other methods within this program like Kim talked about and, uh, and none of those worked either. Just more proof that it doesn't work. But I can tell you I'm a living, breathing example of it, of it working. Not cured. But the problem has been removed. And not only has it been removed, you know, so the, the, the food is no longer an issue, but I'm a better person. You know, when I leave this, this call every morning, i got to live my life for another 23 hours, you know. And what am I doing? How am I treating people? How am I, you know, am I, am I giving a full day to my employer? Am I honest? I'm human, but I, I'm sure a different person. You'd see a different person today than I was. Thank you, God, and, and thank you to uh, to Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Lois. Go ahead, Lois. Yeah. Lois, did you say? Uh-huh. 
Oh, good morning, everyone. Yeah, this is Lois recovered in Massachusetts, and uh, so much has already been said that you know I, that's been my story as well. And um, what I when I think of what we've read and what we've shared this morning, for me it was uh, it was um, my my mind. The best example is my mind is like my computer, and my my computer had a virus. And the greatest part of my disease is in my mind. And my mind, I had the mind of a chronic alcoholic, a real alcoholic. And and my mind always made it okay for me to pick up the food. It, it, it permeated my distorted thought, thinking, always made it okay for me to pick up the food, the drug of my choice. And and I didn't know that, you know. I mean, I, I was... I, I did everything that the paragraph suggested. I tried everything, and I, I had all of these behaviors. But what I didn't know was that there was no re, no way on earth that I could I could I could stop picking up the food. And it wasn't until I got that message when I you know when I read it in the big book. I I spent decades in in Overeaters Anonymous as well, banging my head against the wall. Uh, trying to, what I could do, what I could do, and of course, I, being a compulsive overeater with a with a mind that was infected with a virus, could not come up with any kind of a solution. So it wasn't until you know I got that message, and that's the most important you know action um, I can get or I can give today. Is you know we have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind that will always ensure that we will keep eating the drug of choice. And if you're new and if you're coming back, you know, if you can concede in your innermost self that that is the most important part of your recovery, the beginning of your recovery, then you'll be, you'll be, you'll hear what we intend you to hear. Thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lois. Did I hear someone else? Sarah. Sarah, go ahead, Sarah. Uh, good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, you know, like everybody else, I had liquid protein back in the you know 70s, and you know had been on um, numerous uh, advertised weight loss programs. Um, uh, you know, exercising fanatically, and and all the things that we do. You know, desperation. I think the whole thing for me is. That it's it's um, you know I didn't want to be fat, but I didn't want to stop eating. That was the thing to me. And and in, in truth, what I find in a lot of people that that ask for help is they don't want to be fat, but they don't want to stop eating. And that is, uh, you know, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. It doesn't say the desire to be thin. Well, I think for me, I have to go back to that way of thinking that, um, you know, most of us don't want to put down our drug of choice. But if I really think about the insanity that goes around in that uh, addictive behavior that I have with that, I lose my life when I'm in the addiction. I don't have a life. I'm, I'm so driven by the food that I'm not present to myself or anybody else. And what a way to live, you know. And, it, it, you know, like the guy said yesterday, you know, in the in the uh, special edition uh, meeting, which was a wonderful one to listen to, you know, you know,
know, what is it that we're here for? It is a 12-step program. It is a 12-step program. And like everybody else, you know, I did 1, 2, 3. I did 1, 2, 3, 12. I did those things, but that really does not work. And for me, it's about really, once I get through the nine steps, I have to really stay in 10, 11, 12. I don't do it perfect, but I certainly do the best I can asking God for help. And I and I hope the best for all of you today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. What I was going to say when Larry did finally speak up when there was that long pause is that perhaps um, it was all said because um, Esther and Miriam and Kim had so thoroughly covered what almost all of us have done in um, our disease that resembles what was described in this book about people who uh, compulsively drink. Uh, I should have said this is Rebecca, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, Before we move on, does anyone else have any shares on this paragraph? This is Katie F. Sally in Oregon. Elizabeth in Ohio. Katie F. Sally and who? Elizabeth in Ohio. Elizabeth. Okay. Katie F., go ahead. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And I just wanted to focus on the text here that it says, here are some of the methods we have tried. In a method, you know, if you, um, if you look at culinary books, you know, specific ways of cooking, they use that word method. You know, you do this, here's the first step, and here's the next step, and then this is the next step, and then your, your results are going to be the same, consistent in every restaurant if you follow this method. And, you know, these are the methods we tried. This is what I tried on my own. And what was the result? The result in every single one of these things and everything that everybody else has mentioned was complete failure. So if you're on the line this morning and you have uh, still think that you have a method that works, then you're never going to want to follow this method. Because this is a method, as the speaker said yesterday, of following clear-cut directions. You know, when I keep saying, yes, but, and I want to try it my way just one more time, then I'm going to get my results. And, And my results got me to, you know, wishing I had the nerve to drive off the highway, wishing, um, you know, that my size, new size 22 clothes would um, not feel so tight, like, you know, the dryer shrunk them, even though I bought them just a couple weeks ago. And my method, you know, got me to thinking that, um, that just this one time it wasn't going to hurt me. And so we're looking for a method that works. And, you know, they're showing us in this chapter that we will try just about anything except the surrender process and the ego reduction that is required to follow what another person is suggesting you do. You know, when I think I have the best idea in the world, but it doesn't seem quite right, I I make a phone call. And I call, I run it by someone else, and they, you know, will say, you know what, I think you need to pray about that some more. So my method of um, 
you know, we all have, I mean, there's just hundreds of ways to try to lose weight. Um, certainly more than a list of ways to stop drinking. I mean, we could just go on for days with different ways that we try to stop eating. But the fact is, the results were nil. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Sally. I think I heard someone named Sally who wanted to share. Yes, this is Sally C. in Oregon. I'm a, a compulsive overeater in Oregon. And I'm very new to um, a vision for you. Um, so I hope it's all right if I share. Um, I, what I wanted to say is that I, like everybody else, have tried all of these methods. I've done the diets. I've done the, you know, purchase the products, use the supplements, use exercise and change my eating momentarily and all of that. And the final the final thing that I came down to was actually being diagnosed with a disease that is absolutely associated with what I eat. I was you know, diagnosed with diabetes about six years ago, eight years ago, and I decided that I that that was it. That was going to be my changing point in my life. That I was going to be the one and only who made it through the rest of my life without ever losing a toe or a foot or going blind or doing any of the other things that my foot my my food would physically cause in my body. That I was going to do it perfectly. I was going to avoid all of the things that would cause a physical um, malady to become horrific in my life and that that would be it. I would be able to do it. I would be able to do it unlike other people that I saw around. Um, And so it was quite a shock to me, yeah, sure, when I wasn't able to do it. When I found myself opening those all the same bags and when I found myself you know, popping the top on my favorite chip stack container thing and when I kept going back and it wasn't just today and it was tomorrow and the next day and the next day, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I had been in and out of 12-step meetings for eight or nine years. I had never ever worked the steps. It was always about what is your food plan and stick to your food plan. And I finally, thank God, was directed to this program um, by a a good friend from uh, another meeting I had been to. And I, for the first time in my life, really, I feel hope. I feel that there is hope that I can recover from, not from diabetes, and not that I can recover from this obsession, that I can recover from my compulsion to to get into the foods that I am allergic to. And I have seen such a tremendous 
change in my life and in my outlook and in my just my whole being in such a short period of time. I am hopeful, and I thank this meeting. I thank all of you recovered overeaters. I thank this program for my hopefulness. I um, continue one day at a time, um, and I, I just you know pray that I will continue one day at a time and work my way through the steps. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally. Elizabeth? Hi, my name is Elizabeth, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Ohio. Um, I uh, I love these, well, both of these pages, 30 and 31. I read them every morning because I have to be reminded of all the years that I talked myself out of being a compulsive eater. Um, I won't list all of the things that I did from this second paragraph and um, so many others uh, because everybody's done such a great job of, of listing them because we do so many of the same things. Um, I will tell you one thing I did that um, I'm sure there could be someone on the line that's done it, but I have never heard it shared before. Um, I'm almost 60, so and my children were toddlers when I did this, so we're talking um, 30, 35 years ago, we'll say. I read in a magazine article that you could um, fill a bathtub with, with cold water and put ice in it and lay in it, and that would burn more calories. I've actually tried that and a number of other things that I haven't heard mentioned. But no need in going into all of that because we know that none of it works. Um, what I what speaks to me on this page is all of the what I was I was told years ago. These are first step reservations. These are all the things that I'm going to try and I want to try and I'm going to come hell or high water use to prove that I'm not like these people. Um, I don't want to admit that I'm bodily and mentally different. Um, And as a result, I spent um, 10 years in OA working the steps, getting abstinent with a plan, with a food plan, Um, a plan, by the way, that didn't exclude my binge foods because I had never been asked to look at that. I just kept taking food plans from people Um, and using them and weighing and measuring. I actually spent five years doing that, five years weight-measured abstinence, and all that that actually was for me was um, controlled eating um, because I was still eating my binge foods within that way to measured plan. All I did was manage the amount I took during that time. Um, so all of these things were operating behind the scenes that actually failed to allow me to have a, a complete first step. All this thinking. And um, without a first step, I can't get to the promise of having the obsession removed. I worked through the steps in the big book so many times, read every word, word by word, line by line, with numerous different sponsors, and um, all the while not realizing that I was denying 
you know, I, I knew I had a problem. I knew I, I had weight to lose, and I wanted to lose weight. Of course, I had diet thinking, not compulsive overeater um, acceptance. And um, so I, I worked the steps. I got all kinds of great things happening. I, I, I have discovered that you can work these steps and live by spiritual principles and still get a lot of, a lot of great things and a lot of the promises but the one thing I didn't get, I mean, I got, I got a better marriage. I got better relationships. I made close to 100 amends. My relationships improved. I got all kinds of great stuff. But I still walked around knowing something wasn't quite right. I felt it. I ended up going to a psychiatrist and getting put on psychotropic medic- medication um, because I knew something wasn't right. And um, then I ended up walking out of the program. For two years, fortunately, um, I got a phone call in December that um, started my journey back in. I got a, a, a sponsor who um, helped me get a complete first step this time. And um, within a month of working the steps, the, the mental obsession was removed. That was that that is the thing that I needed that may, has made the difference. Um, all the great things that I got in the program before before now were wonderful, but nothing compares to having the mental obsession removed so that I don't have to think about all these things and try all these things and go back out again. So I read page 30 and 31 every morning to remind myself of the 40 years I spent trying to convince myself that I was normal, um, that I wasn't insane, that I wasn't, um, that I could drink like other people or eat like other people. Um, And now I know that I'm done with the experimentation. And hopefully I'm done with the self-deception. But I read these pages every morning because it is so easy for me to deceive myself. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Elizabeth. Why don't we go ahead with the next paragraph with Ken. Good morning, this is Ken. We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Stop over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a bad case of the jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. And I am Ken, um, and you know, this part of the book really um, tells me that um, I can quickly diagnose myself, um, but it tells me and it tells me just how to do it. Step into the kitchen, try some controlled eating of my binge foods, and try to stop halfway through. Just stop. Well, I can tell you that never happened for me. Um, and the key was, it tells me here, if you are honest. And that was the key. I, I could never be honest about it. Um, and it was very difficult for me to get honest, and I finally had to 
I guess have some of my darkest days and you know I had to be honest and I had to be willing and you know when I think about that this part of the book it, it reminds me uh, I could never stop abruptly I couldn't stop abruptly whether I was in the kitchen by myself 11 o'clock at night um, you know downing some food right before bed or if I was in a in a restaurant with my family and my kids didn't fit, finish their dessert. I, I, I just couldn't stop. Um, so these, this part really, really speaks to me and gives me some clear-cut reality. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Leia. I heard Lauren S, Bella, and Leah. Did I miss anyone? Okay, this is Lauren S from Pittsburgh, a recovered compulsive overeater. Okay, this paragraph. It's helpful. It's a helpful experiment, but I I find it helpful to remind ourselves that. This comes on page 31. So we've already been identifying on page XXB to page 31. Do I have an allergy? Am I a real compulsive overeater? Do I identify with Bill's progression of the disease? Do I believe human aid won't work for me? Self-knowledge won't work. Do I believe, for me, it's either a spiritual solution or it's an insane death that I can't have any reservations, any lurking notions. Do I believe that I've exhausted all attempts to control, choose, and have power over food, and I have no power? So if you've come to this page and still aren't sure, that's when this experiment can be very helpful. But when I was going through the book, and I got to this paragraph, and I was answering a question in this workshop, and they said, you know, go and take a bite if you're not sure. And I said, absolutely not, absolutely not. For me to take a bite is to risk death. I will not do that. But that's just because I had that clarity, and I didn't need to do the experiment. So this is if this experiment to diagnose yourself, to, to see if you have that allergy, is helpful if you don't know. If you honestly don't know, if you're honestly not done, if you're not done, if you really don't want to stop, you're like, I don't really want to stop. I really don't know. But if you do know absolutely and you're like, I'm a real compulsive reader, I need help, I want to stop, then this paragraph might not apply to someone like you if you're anything like me. So, okay, um, thank you all. Thank you, Lauren. Bella? Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Rebecca, for doing this service, and thank you very much that is on the line. If you are honest with yourself, such a strong word, to be honest with yourself. Yes, before the program, I wasn't honest 
with myself and if people would tell me bella you are you are not honest i would tell me i am not honest cannot be i am such a honest person but Unfortunately, I wasn't honest with myself. I tried. Yes, I tried, but I wasn't aware. I, I wasn't aware that the problem is not my mother, my husband, my friends, my community. No, I wasn't aware. So I couldn't be honest. And yes, I tried. I tried so many things that they didn't work. And thank you, God. Thank you, God, that now I am in the program. And the first step is to be honest. Yes, I am honest. In the beginning, it was very hard for me to accept and admit that I am powerless. Now, thank God. Thank God it's a miracle that I am honest and I can accept and admit that I am powerless. I am powerless not because I am a bad person, not because something is wrong with me, because I am human and I have my limitations. And yes, God gave me a, a gift that I have a disease of being a compulsive overeater. Yes, I have an allergy in the body and an obsession in the mind. And thank you, God, that I am willing to be honest and I am willing to give over my life to the care of God. It's nothing to do with me. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to be honest. Yes, in the beginning it was very painful for my ego to say, I am a compulsive overeater. I am powerless. Yes, it was, it wasn't hard. It was, it wasn't easy. Thank you, God, that now I can be honest with myself and I am willing to say, yes, I am, I am, I want, I want to give over my life to the care of God. And thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Leah? Thanks so much, Rebecca, for your service. Good morning, everybody. Leah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself, step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. You know, I think about the fact that this rolled off the press in 1939, and, you know, they just... Uh, you know, are offering here a self-diagnostic test for the readers. Um, if you're not sure you're alcoholic, I mean, we're not here to twist anybody's arm or sell you a package that you don't need. You know, um, this particular advice is addressing the allergy of the body. They're saying go, go ingest your substance. Now, for the alcoholic, of course, that's alcohol. For someone like me, uh, there's numerous uh, substances that, uh, once I ingested, triggered that phenomenon of craving and created a demand for more of the same. Um, it was like taking, you know, striking a match and, and throwing it into a bucket of gasoline. Whoosh! You know, in a few pages from now, they're going to give uh, a self-diagnostic test regarding the obsession of the mind, meaning, okay, try not to drink for a year. <laughs> try that out. Um, you know, it's it's... It's comical to me, um, you know, that this big book, which was, uh, you know, took thousands of hours of discussion uh, to to publish, 
and um, you know is here obviously to save souls. Um, you know, tells us, hey, if you are not convinced, go drink. Leia, if you are not convinced you're a real compulsive overeater, throw open the, those pantry doors and dig your fists into some bags and boxes to get a full knowledge of your condition. And this is not a new um, attitude that the big book takes with us. You know, I, I think about uh, page 96, you know, where it's giving guidelines to sponsors, and it says, um, you know, uh, don't be discouraged if your prospect doesn't respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. You're sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. Um, you know, and I had to get to this point. I had to be crushed by this disease because I always thought I was eating to feel better and I always felt worse. I always thought I was eating for freedom and I always became a slave. <laughs> you know, my life was controlled by these desires. I always had to bow to the demands of this disease, uh, bow to the uh, beast. And my illness made decisions for me. You know, there was no freedom in this life. I always had to pay the piper. I always was a slave. But I had to be convinced of that. It wasn't enough for this book to know it, and it wasn't enough for a sponsor to know it. I had to know it. I had to know deep within my soul that I was done volunteering for the Research and Development Committee. Because willingness was a one-person job. A person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. And I had to be beaten up because the bottom line was, uh, you know, <laughs> putting down my substance was very, very painful because I was uncomfortable as a human being. In order to feel comfortable on this planet, uh, you know, binge food was my solution. Because if you took away binge food, uh, all I was left was with fear and anger and insecurity, self-doubt and guilt and remorse. And that was what OA was designed to deal with. Because compulsive overeating became a non-issue for me once I took certain actions. And those actions are called the steps. But I only understood the urgency for those steps once I admitted I was 100% powerless. I had to surrender 100%. Because if I didn't surrender 100%, then I wasn't going to put my all into this program of recovery. So, you know, the big book comes right, right in our face here and says, hey, you know what I mean? We're not going to waste our breath, and we're not going to try to twist your arm. If you're not convinced yet, by all means, let me take you by the hand and lead you into the kitchen. In fact, I'll open the pantry doors and the fridge door for you and try it out yourself. Because pain was the greatest motivator to effectuate someone like me. And perhaps that will be the same for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. This is Rebecca, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm just so impressed with everyone's sharing this morning and how we're driving home to those perhaps who haven't been convinced the exact nature of this illness. And I certainly realized I had it 
my problem was, but um, those of you who have gone before me have made it crystal clear that I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And if I continue to eat my binge foods, they're going to kill me. And that the only way to not continue to eat my binge foods is to pick up the spiritual toolkit that's been laid out so beautifully in this book and work these steps as if my life depended on it, because it does. And as a result, not only am I freed of the uh, obsession to eat my binge foods, but I get to be happy, joyous, and free. And I never even knew what that would be like. It was. It is beyond my wildest dreams. And now I'm living the life. And it's available to each of you as well. And with that, I'll pass, and we are at the close of our meeting. It went so fast. Um, And that means that it's time for Jill to read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only on page 164. Thank you, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Uh, A little louder, if possible. Thank you, Jill. Better? Better? Go ahead. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day to the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourselves to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.